Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, episode 10, where today we'll be discussing porn and a pornography pandemic in modern day society, as well as how social media is influencing this outside of the pornography industry. I'm your co-host, Ren. And I'm your co-host, Mateo. And let's get right into it. So today we're going to be covering, obviously, porn addiction. Um, It's very wide-ranging. Unlike, you know, traditional addictions, it's certainly a spectrum of addiction, and there are a lot of harms to it, as well as some influences outside of pornography that have been exposing younger generations to sexually explicit content like social media, namely Instagram. Very true. Um, You know, I think we're going to start with just the over-all-encompassing idea of porn addiction. So as we know, uh, pornography and um, vulgar content as such has been has become increasingly accessible to the youth and just to everybody in modern day society especially in America um, the problem with that is is when you have very young children uh, such as starting even at the age of like from 7 to 12 having access to um, this type of content you have young malleable minds um, who are still developing at such a young age and coming across this this type of content. I mean, what do you think that's going to do to the mind of an individual who hasn't even had any form of intimacy in their life yet? Well, and if you think about it, right, it's certainly not a devious concept. It's just a product of the digital age where you don't have to, like, go to a store or go buy a magazine or something like that and actually go physically buy and pay for a product versus now it's just online and it's free. So there's certainly that factor. But you also have to think about these are kids who haven't had their first kiss yet and they're exposed to extreme graphic explicit content stuff that's you know not even you know just vanilla sexual content like it's extreme it's hardcore Mm -hmm. it shows um violence it shows other aspects which are not appropriate and these are kids who haven't even had their first kiss yet versus pornography even like 40 years ago was just a simple playboy right and to touch on your point that's that's a big problem is uh there's a study that shows that 88 percent of the top viewed uh porn videos are violent in in any sense and so when you have this norm of violence that that's also been shown to be correlated um to cause sexual violence in relationships and in society there there is a very clear connection between the two a very clear cause and effect relationship between violent pornography and then sexual violence in the real world Mm -hmm. now this goes for anything i mean you're set, we're setting these norms in society based off of what we see in this content that's accessible by anybody in the country. And now it's starting to translate into life, which is a huge problem. Right. And there's a psychological concept, which is script theory. It's the same sense where, you know, little kids get their behaviors, get their actions through TV and stuff. You see kids who want to be right. Spider-Man because they watch Spider-Man. Pornography is no different. Right. Now, obviously you might think it's different and that's because we have the concept of kids that little shouldn't be viewing this content but the problem is is that they are and it's it's a big issue and it parlays into what they then view as an acceptable so uh, sexual experience and it goes for Mm -hmm. for girls and boys it goes for men and women because on the one hand while you have men seeing that violence towards Mm -hmm. women is acceptable in a sexual context Mm -hmm. you also have the flip side where women are accepting of it and there's no pushback and they're something that they enjoy or don't protest and that's what how women how girls should act and neither side is okay right and let's start off with this when when in the act of you know watching porn 
you're you're just a disclaimer we are by no means medical professionals on this topic um by any sense um this is just our opinion we've done research we we don't have degrees we're just this is an open discussion about this topic um from two people who is very we've experienced um our peers you know it's it's very prevalent especially in high school it's, mm-hmm. it's very prominent um but so in the act of you know building the habit of watching porn and changing the neuroplasticity in your brain you uh studies are showing that there is a major loss of intimacy in relationships so you are essentially telling your brain to become aroused by watching people Mm -hmm. um engage in sexual intercourse rather than in real life when you are with your whoever you are in a relationship with you are unable to become intimate and have this type of relationship with that person and we all know that the entire reason for our existence is because of our sexual instincts and arousal and um, sex. Yeah, sex. Sex. Sex is essentially mm-hmm. the entire reason for the population. I mean, there's no denying that. There's a reason that the uh, sexual emotion, the sexual hormone is the strongest, mm-hmm. that it's the strongest feeling because without it, we wouldn't be here. Well, and I think we should shout out the Huberman lab. That's where we, um, we've learned a lot about in terms of just Certainly. becoming aroused around the sight of others. And then you mm-hmm. can't, attach that to when you're one-on-one with another person and when we talk about intimacy pornography certainly can promote physical intimacy but i feel like and this is my opinion that's the shallowest form of intimacy you have like emotional Mm -hmm. intimacy you have like the true definition of intimacy you know emotional intellectual that kind of connection and with pornography there is none of that Mm -hmm. and if you want to build those bridges you want to build those connections pornography simply cuts all those in half blows it up and does not allow you to have those healthy relationships. It promotes right. unhealthy relationships um, for men and for women, and ultimately just hurts society as a whole. If we get to a place where we can no longer be intimate with each other, where we mm-hmm. are just purely aroused by watching others, we need porn to become mm-hmm. aroused in the first place. Society can't function. Right. And Biologically, huge, it's it can't a huge function. problem. And it's a huge problem that not a lot of people are actually aware of. If you look up the sperm count in 2045... It's set to be zero if it follows the current trajectory. Now, that that's a huge problem. Then again, it depends on what lens you're looking at it from. Environmentally, it's very unsustainable to have a high population as such. And so a decline in the population wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But if you're looking at it in terms of how the world works, it's a huge problem. Because we know that the economy in any form of economy runs the entire world. So if you have significantly a decrease in population you don't have people to work jobs you don't have people to raise families you have a huge problem and also you have a huge uh decrease in intimate people you have people who can no longer reproduce and that's on its own a problem and like you were saying i think it's a very stoic lens to look through that physical arousal is the shallowest form of intimacy you know as a stoic you look at the mind body the soul the whole person right and it's I think it it's an interesting statement to say that, you know, a lot of people don't care because to me it's really funny and it is frustrating when people say, you know, I have a lack of motivation, I have a bad mindset. There's a lot of common complaints that we see from our generation, from people listening to the podcast, people who have reached out. But then, you know, you go home and you masturbate, you go home and you um, pick up the phone, pick up the computer and you watch porn, like... And you don't see the correlation there Mm -hmm. in terms of mindset, motivation, all those things. Because it's an addiction. Um, 
it's similar to a drug addiction in the fact that they are both strong addictions. Um, there's no coincidence, you know, pornography correlates um, with impotence, it correlates with those violent fantasies, it correlates with all of these things. It's because it's an addiction, and mm-hmm. when you can't get your fix of that, you have to apply it to the real world. Right. And just like, you know, withdrawal problems with drugs, there's withdrawal problems from this type of addiction. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're right about the uh, talking about a drug addiction as well. They, there was a study um, that showed that uh, people who were addicted to drugs and addicted to porn, when both shown images, so if someone addicted to drugs, like say they were addicted to heroin, if they were shown an image of uh, heroin... Um, and then someone who's addicted to porn was shown a sexually explicit image. Their brains, their, their brains react the exact same way. Mm-hmm. So, while the two are very different, because like you were saying, a porn addiction is on a spectrum. You know, it, it yeah. can, with drugs, you're you're addicted. You know, it, it's a very set standard. With it, it might it might take a while to develop an addiction, but once you are addicted, it's ultimately relatively the same for everybody. But like you said, with porn, it is a it's it's more controllable. It's it's a much easier addiction physically to withdraw from. The hardest part is the mental battle because once mm-hmm. mentally your brain has started to create these new pathways and these new um, just connections that you are only aroused by what what you see on a screen or what you're watching with other people, then it's very hard to mentally change your path to go back. Right. No, and it certainly needs to be acknowledged that you know pornography addiction is more of a kind of spectrum addiction where a solution doesn't work for everybody and it's more of a personalized solution versus drug addictions there's rehab and there's a few set solutions Mm -hmm. there isn't a few set solutions for pornography right and we can sit here and be on our high horse and say you know oh you should quit pornography immediately like it's bad for you but ultimately like that's not feasible for everybody and so it's all about, as with everything in stoicism, it's about your own personal self-growth and your own personal plan. Right. What everybody needs to do, and this is our opinion, of course, the first step that's universal is just understanding the consequences, understanding the harms, and addressing the desires. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcus Aurelius talks about how everything is perspective, how, you know, the best wine is just fermented grapes. You apply that same kind of concept of porn into sex where it's just a physical action and then it loses a lot of the value that it may have mm-hmm. in terms of your mindset right. and you transition to things that have more meaning and have more value right which crazy you know <clears throat> we talk about meaning all the time and it relates exactly to this topic mm-hmm. and i think the reason that it's such a hard the reason it's such a difficult problem to overcome for many people is because like you were saying it's different for everybody, everybody has their own experiences with intimacy. Everybody is, you know, aroused by by different things. It doesn't matter. But the the problem is, is that the porn is having the same effect on everybody. So when you have people that require a different solution, offer the same problem, that's where it becomes very difficult. And it's also important to acknowledge that in today's society, almost the vast majority of content that's available on Instagram or TikTok, the most popular social media websites is sexualized to a degree. And whether you realize it consciously or not, it's the truth, unfortunately. And so with that, when you're constantly being, whether you're conscious or unconscious about it or not, when you're constantly consuming these sexually explicit uh, videos, pictures, whatever, that's subconsciously rewiring your brain into just thinking that way, 
or seeing things that way or having a certain perspective on things, which is a big problem. Well, and it's, when you talk about the brain, there's an interesting um, book that I've kind of skimmed through. I'll be honest, I haven't read it completely, but it's called Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. And so they follow this kind of informal experiment where it's tens of thousands of people who are basically giving up porn. They're giving up any sexually stimulating material. And across the board, these people who successfully give it up for an extended period of time, they see, you know, improved concentration, boosted mood, greater capacity for intimacy. So it's not just, you know, sexual biological problems. It's motivation, it's concentration, it's focus, it's clarity, it's even mood. Overall... If you're somebody, you know, who just go goes home, who, who masturbates two or three times a day, who just does it constantly, and, you know, if you can't apply that self-control to that situation, you're not likely to apply it to other situations, and then it just affects your mindset as right. well in terms of that clarity, that concentration, that focus. So it's not just, you know, give this up and you can be more intimate or you can kind of avoid these biological problems. There's a huge number of just mental health and mentality issues that you can solve purely by cutting this out in your life. Right. Like you said, I mean, it completely hinders when you're excessively, even not necessarily excessively, but whenever you engage in uh, an activity as such, you're hindering your cognitive ability to an extent every single time. And so, like you said, there's a, there's a very clear bridge between quitting and having an improvement in all these areas in your life. The, the thing about the porn industry that is the majority of people that watch porn are men. Mm-hmm. Now, we could take this back historically. Men are easily controlled by sex. That's our nature. I mean, unfortunately. And I, I'm, that's, again, that's not justifying being submissive to your emotions or your impulses by all means. But, but here's the problem. Is in today's society, if you tell men that it's okay to be weak and submit to all their emotions which is something that goes against stoicism like we said stoicism isn't about having no emotion it's about being able to control and uh, leverage your emotions to your advantage but when you tell men oh it's okay like it's not harmful to be submissive to these thoughts and to these terrible things that are actually really bad for you men who don't know how to control their emotions are the dangerous men in the world the men who are rapists, the men who shoot, shoot up schools, the men who do all these very violent things are the men who can't listen to themselves and control their emotions. Now, that's true to an extent. It's also important to acknowledge that there are very, uh, there are cases where there's, it's a mental health issue. But a lot, a lot of the times, it's when you have, su- when you've consumed this content to so much extent that you can't even, you're blinded by it at some point. Like it's consumed you completely, and that's what's going to happen to a lot of people in this generation if they don't stop this terrible habit that they've formed. It's very easy to form a new habit, but it's very hard to break it. Well, and you, I, I turn it back to health. You can't be a healthy person if one aspect of your life is unhealthy, and ultimately you are unhealthy in your sexual habits and in your sex life if pornography is you know a sizable influence mm-hmm. in that realm because. As we've outlined, you know, there's so many harmful effects of pornography that you simply can't be a healthy person with that stuff in your life. So are you going to be an unhealthy person? Are you going to put in the work to, you know, go to the gym, to eat healthy, to drink lots of water, to be hydrated, to maintain your health in all of these realms, but then, you know, kind of let your guard down and let yourself become unhealthy when it comes to your sex life and your sexual habits by allowing pornography to enter into your life. It doesn't make sense for you to put in the work in all those other aspects and not put in the work in this one. And I think the scary thing is that a lot of people who are genuinely good people who do strive to be healthy 
don't kind of recognize the harmful effects mm-hmm. of pornography as much as the harmful effects of other things. Right. And it's something that'll, you know, sneak up on you. It's something that is going to have detrimental effects to your life and you don't even think about it. Exactly. And what I would say to those people, I mean, everybody has the desire to be great in some way or another in their own life. But you, if you're listening to this and you are relating to this and you are struggling with a porn addiction, you are stronger than your emotions. You are stronger than these desires. You are able to say no. It is possible. Because when you do these things for so long, the ability to produce dopamine and oxytocin, which are the two um, major hormones that are related to, um, they're essentially called the love hormones. It's how you're an intimate person. They will not work in the future. And if you truly desire a intimate relationship with one person and you really are seeking that true love, I guess I'll put that in quotes, Mm -hmm. um, you have to stop or it's, it's not going to be neurologically or scientifically biologically possible for you to make a connection like that with somebody. And again, I'll pose it in that kind of hypothetical. Are you going to be the shallow person who seeks the physical intimacy that society as a whole largely promotes today in the pornography industry, especially, are you going to be that standout person, that person who seeks meaning, that person who seeks an intimacy beyond physical um, abilities, physical experiences, you know, that emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy. Imagine how much more joyous your life will be if you're with, you know, Mm -hmm. people who provide you with that versus just a pure physical shallow experience. And in, in today's society, it's very hard to see past surface level because, like we were saying, everything to an extent is sexualized to a degree. And, you know, we could talk about a lot of things in the world that are designed this way, but the reason that porn is free is because you're paying with your intimacy and with your soul. There, There's a hidden cost to everything that is said to be free. Now, whether you realize it or not, it's happening right in front of your eyes. And if you aren't aware of it, it before long, it's going to be too late before you can reverse these um, psychological effects. Thankfully, the brain is capable of being neuroplastic. Change. Yes. Change. It's capable of changing. You can change the way you think. But again, if you've been indulging in a bad habit for too long, there will be a point of no return where you go too far and you are unable to make these changes. So... I guess if we were to close that topic out, it would just be, you have to ask yourself, how bad do you really want to succeed? Everything is in society is going to be sexualized, almost, not everything, but the vast majority. And you can't do anything about that, but what you can control is what you're choosing to consume. And that's all self-control. We're not saying, you know, cut out masturbation completely, you know, practice semen retention or anything like that. <clears throat> we're saying find a healthy solution for yourself experiment with what works for you because watching pornography every day masturbating every day works for nobody it produces these problems but there are benefits to masturbation there are benefits there are health benefits to sex and a sexual experience so we're not saying cut that completely out of your life it's just with every other topic you know seek meaning try now you want to be that person who is above it all. The person who rises above the problems that you see fixes it for themselves and then in turn gives right. the tools to others to fix them. You want to be that person who makes a change. And mm-hmm. ultimately, in this area of life, it's one of the hardest things to do because there is a physical, mental dependence on pornography once you get into the sphere of addiction. Right. But it's breakable. It is breakable. You go... <clears throat> um, 
No Not November, you go towards No Not November, what is mostly a joke is actual pra- is actually a practical concept. Mm-hmm. If you can go 30, 31 days without masturbating for a challenge, for a simple internet challenge, imagine the amount of time you can go because you yourself have challenged your being to reject pornography, to reject mm-hmm. the culture of mass sexuality right. in America and largely in over, all over the world. You can do those things. Like if, if you can do it for an online challenge, you can do it for a personal challenge. Right. And, and I'll just say this. If you can't control your sexual urges, then how do you expect to be able to control any aspect of your life? I mean, that's not saying you can't be successful as a, you know, you can't acquire a lot of money if you're still like, but inside, on the inside, who you are as a person and cognitively and spiritually, you're not going to, you're not going to get anywhere because a bad habit is still a bad habit. And at the end of the day, you know, I think our audience that we're talking to is largely men because it is the majority of men that do consume porn and also because we are men. So we don't necessarily want to go out of place and speak for women, but I could say this for both people is that it's unhealthy. It is unhealthy, but it is possible to escape this loop that seems never ending, that seems consuming, that seems suffocating. It is possible. Well, and I challenge those currently within the sphere of maybe not addiction, but just who who do watch pornography, who know what we're talking about. Challenge yourself to ask ask yourself this question, right? <clears throat> what does it truly do for you? At the end of the day, why would you be grateful for it? Mm-hmm. What would you say that it's helped you with throughout the day? I, I would venture to say that 9 out of 10 people are going to come to the conclusion, nothing. Right. It didn't do anything for them. Right. If it doesn't do anything for you, why are you doing it? And there's, 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 we've all had the thought where, oh, just one more time. One more won't hurt. Well, one more becomes two more, which becomes 10 more, which becomes 100 more times. Each time it becomes more extreme and you go down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. and it becomes harder and harder to pull yourself out. Yep. The easiest time to pull yourself out of this sphere is now. Is now. There's no, there's no time to wait. I mean, like you were saying, each time that you submit and you give in, you are further making it harder for you the next time to succeed and to break this bad habit. Yeah, and so ultimately the best way to climb out of this rabbit hole is to start by being very aware of the content that you're consuming. And that's outside of pornography as well. That can be with social media. Right, I, I mean... <clears throat> to be completely honest, I view social media, especially like Instagram and TikTok, as kind of pornography light at this point. Um, I'll be honest, you know, we had spring break. I had a sinus infection. I was sick, so I just kind of stayed in bed and scrolled through Instagram. And it's just shocking the amount of explicit content um, that you can find on social media just scrolling for even five minutes. You know, it's really sad to me that a 12-year-old who just has Instagram, you know, they go through their For You page for 30 minutes and they find more sexually explicit content than you know people 200 years ago throughout their whole lives like mm-hmm. and these are kids who are not mentally prepared to view this content it produces the same amount of harms that pornography does and mm-hmm. we recognize more as a society the problems that th- this holds but i ultimately use the comparison we're weirded out by the fact that 100 years ago People are getting married at 16, at 14, at 18. 
but we're not going to be weirded out. We're not going to be saying that's not okay to the same age kids viewing such explicit content mm-hmm. on a social media app. Yeah, it's a great point because also in movies, uh, TV shows, celebrities. And celebrities, social media, alcohol ads. I mean, if you've ever seen an alcohol commercial, it's overtly sexualized for absolutely no reason. But it's when it be, when it's everywhere it becomes a norm it, you know it becomes oh well now it's just like empowerment or now it's like positivity or something but in reality i mean if you look at the sci- if you listen to the science and you look at the facts and you look at what it's really doing to people's brains that's when it becomes harmful but that's that's a conversation that i believe hasn't really been talked about a lot and so the last thing that we need in the world is division between men and women you know we have, we're clearly in a country that's very divided. And a lot of the times when we talk about the issue, it's like, oh, well, men did this, or oh, well, women do this all the time. It's not the problem. I mean, if we keep pointing fingers, we're never going to get anywhere. We have to realize that it is what it is now. But if we work together as people, we can definitely change that and fix that. But the problem is, is that major companies, very important companies, are profiting off of this. You know, Instagram is profiting off of you scrolling and that's how they keep you on your phone. I mean, you have sexual content on TikTok or Instagram or anywhere, you're going to keep scrolling because it's in your nature to, it's aesthetically pleasing to the human eye. So you're going to look and you find arousal in it, whether you like to admit it or not. So like I was saying before, it's free because you're paying with your attention. You're paying with your soul. That's the cost. Whether you realize it or not, these apps, they're, they're changing the way your brain thinks and the way that your brain views the opposite sex or whoever you're attracted to and that's a problem right and i think there's certainly areas where there's a counterculture but a counterculture is is not enough there needs to be you know concrete solutions having you know gym bros or you know that kind of just stereotypical counterculture where it's a video of something explicit and then it cuts to dude lifting or something like that Mm -hmm. you see a lot of those videos that's not enough Mm -hmm. and An additional problem from that is too often we label the counterculture stuff as, you know, toxic masculinity mm-hmm. or, you know, harmful in of itself. Or like, oh, you're just insecure or right. something, right? And that stems from the argument of empowerment versus just immoral behavior and immorality right. popularized. Empowerment is certainly valuable, and I'm not ever going to argue against empowerment, mm-hmm. but we have to draw the line where empowerment is. Versus just simply preaching and praising immorality. Exactly. And that, that that's exactly a great point that you had because um, I was recently having this discussion the other day about prostitution. And um, <clears throat> I, I made the point that it's interesting that in America, because in other countries, prostitution is legal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in America, it's illegal. However, it instantly becomes legal if it's filmed. Right. Giving porn, right? Mm-hmm. Now... The person I was talking to this about was saying, well, it's more about, you know, the empowerment of women. Like, oh, I can do what I want. It's, you know, I have the choice here. The problem is, is that I just, and again, I want to acknowledge that this is solely opinion. But as a stoic and as someone, you know, who I would like to think I have high self-respect for myself and what Mm -hmm. I do. um, And I think you feel the same way, but I don't think there is any empowerment in the act of prostitution, if that makes sense. And that goes for both men and women, because both both men and women can be prostitutes, whether right. you're a man or a woman. For me, the idea of just, 
I, like we talk about, you know, this this is a very deep conversation, but just to keep it surface level and short, I don't think it's empowering at all to just give yourself away to people just for money. Unfortunately, in today's society, I'm not saying it's right, but it's simply true. Everyone's chasing a dollar, the imaginary dollar. Yes. So I, it's very understandable that people are doing that because that's really the only way that they can have a sustainable source of income. But if you're not looking at through looking at it through an economic lens, if you're looking at it solely through like a morality lens, I don't think it's correct. Again, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is how we're looking at it. But it's it's just in the whole idea of how society works nowadays. And again, since the beginning of time, sex has always been the prize. Mm-hmm. It's and there's a reason for that because it's a very valuable sacred practice. Well, and there's a reason that prostitution is called the world's oldest profession. Right. And it's interesting you bring up the point of money because what I was going to do is I was going to break it down into what you actually gain mm-hmm. from both prostitution and you know talking about social media. You also have to talk about OnlyFans. And I feel like there's three things you gain. There's money, mm-hmm. there's attention, and then many people argue, and I, I personally disagree, there's a sense of independence. So right. you pick apart all three of those kind of factors through the lens of stoicism. We've told you to not seek money, not seek material things. Right. And while you certainly need to make a livable wage to you know provide for your family, to get food, to have shelter... Is it really worth abandoning your morals just to chase that dollar or just to chase material things? Right. For some people, the answer is yes. But are you going to be that person? Mm-hmm. We certainly like to think that our audience are the type of people who will seek meaning, who will seek um, a life virtue. of high morality, virtue. a life of virtue right. over materialistic things. Mm-hmm. We certainly are. You talk about attention, and this is more towards kind of OnlyFans, mm-hmm. right? What is the value of attention? Just the value of attention as a whole. Mm-hmm. There isn't a lot. Because attention, at the end of the day, it may factor your decision, but it isn't going to affect um, affect how you view yourself. Or at least it shouldn't. Right. Because how you view yourself, how you view your day, how you view your actions, should all be motivated by yourself. And by giving the power of attention to other people, you become less and less empowered by yourself and more empowered by those people who give you that attention. Well, that's exactly how social media functions, right, is attention. I mean, that's how everything, I mean, we are addicted to attention in today's society. That's what we seek. We seek attention or validation. We don't want to, back in the day, we used to want to be loved, and I'm quoting Chris Rock here, but, and he says, but now we just want likes, you know, and it's kind of an ironic statement because I definitely feel like intimacy is regressed. We like to say society is progressing, but I think that actually we've regressed in many, many areas, and with social media, it's it's becoming very toxic to the minds of the youth. I mean, we've gotten to a point where, at least for me, if I were to go on TikTok or Instagram, I can't scroll 10 videos without seeing, even five videos without seeing something sexually suggestive. And that's a problem. I mean, my algorithm is mostly like gym and nutrition and all that, but occasionally there's going to be an explicit video, right? Mm-hmm. So... I guess as a stoic, and if you're looking at the problem of respect, I mean, we were saying, you were said how prostitution is the oldest um, job, the oldest job, right? That's just, I mean, as soon as people started realizing that money was power and they started to accrue this power, it became very easy to be comfortable and then start that, you know? But again, this also stems from part of how 
um, I see things religiously, and we talked about that in our last episode, if you want to go listen to that. But, um, you know, I have found many connections between Christianity and Stoicism, and so I just believe that being very, you know, living humbly and modest um, is important. And, you know, I just think with, like you were saying, is it really worth putting yourself out there and doing the action just for money, you know? And for some people, like you said, yes. And you were saying how attention doesn't actually change the truth of the matter. Marcus Aurelius talks about that in Meditations where he says if something is good, if someone views it as bad, but if something is good and someone doesn't think it is, does that change the fact that it's good or not? No, it's just the perception of it. And these are our opinions based in Stoicism that it's important to be respectful and modest of yourself and to have that high value of self-respect. Well, and we've uh, certainly focused on kind of like monitoring what you view, which is certainly um, more of a male viewpoint. Again, not to speak for women, but if you think about the negative harms that it has on women, like I'll use the example of Katie Sigmund, who, um, you know, a lot of teenage boys know who she is. So they'll know this example. She pulled herself off of OnlyFans because that wasn't her. But if you saw her stories and you saw kind of what she was saying, she was pressured into doing it in the first place. Mm-hmm. She um, kept doing it because of pressure, mm-hmm. and she was chastised for pulling herself off of it. She was, you know, by her so-claimed fans, was criticized for just being herself because she wasn't on OnlyFans, because right. she wasn't doing that sexually explicit content, which, in her own words, wasn't her. And I think that's kind of the system that we promote when we promote the sexually explicit exactly. content because the more that people consume it, the more the pressure is on that person to produce more and more content, whether they want to or not. Exactly. And that's that's exactly why this problem is so complex and why there are so many issues that stem from one is because if you normalize sexualized content everywhere, then you're also normalizing women who think that that's really the only thing that they can do, you know? I mean, like, you, I've, I've heard that story, and I've, I know exactly what you're talking about with Katie, but, it, you know, that's sad that that's the way that society is. I'm not saying that it's untrue, but it's sad that that's how it is, you know? Um, you have, if, and again, for men as well, if you're normalizing sexualized content everywhere, and then you're going to have men who think it's okay mm-hmm. to do what they see on the internet or act a certain way or see women a certain way or talk about women a certain way. Well, and I think what we're saying is that Men who, you know, are the creepy people, quote unquote, who, you know, go on that content and then they post weird comments or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, sexually suggestive comments, they are equally the problem as um, the majority of sexual content, which is produced by women. Both are equally the problem in this situation. Exactly. And that's what we were talking about is when you have men who can't control their impulses and emotions, you have men like that who are creepy, like you were... Mm-hmm. Quote. Um, and so all of it is ultimately a product of porn and pornography and sexualized explicitly, sexually explicit content being everywhere. It's all a product, but if you try to treat it as a symptom, that's never going to work. You have to address the root cause, which is making it not accessible or not even existent at all. Well, and sex can't be a product. Sex cannot be transactional and i think mm-hmm. you talk about prostitution you talk about OnlyFans. it makes sex transactional right and a lot of things should be transactional sex is not one of them things that are intimate parts of your life right should not be transactional mm-hmm. they shouldn't be available to someone who just 
has the will to pay a certain amount of money for it. Right. It needs to be, at a certain point, it needs to have a sense of specialty. It needs to have a sense of uniqueness. It needs to have a sense of value. Right. That isn't attached to a dollar sign. Exactly. And that's the, that's the whole problem is like you were saying, like with porn, we've attached sex to a, a, a monetary value, which is a problem. And so when you put a monetary value on something that can't be measured in morality or value because it's a spiritual action and a sacred action, like I was saying before, since the beginning of time, sex has always been the price because it really is a beautiful thing. But also, with porn, what's a product of porn? Hookup culture. Which is, I mean, it's awful, in my opinion, I think, you know. We've, you, have, you live and you learn, you mm-hmm. know. So if you were someone who didn't think it was bad and then you participated in it and then eventually you're just like, man, I can't love anybody anymore. This is a problem. Sometimes that's how you learn. But other, t- you know, this is why we're talking about it now. So we're hoping that it opens and awakens the eyes of our audience, so you can understand. So you learn before you get. So you learn it. before you get too far down the rabbit hole. No, and it's certainly not to shame anybody for consuming those things or producing those things. It's just acknowledging that it is a problem, and it's something that needs to get addressed very quickly. You know, as kids get phones younger and younger, kids are getting on social media younger and younger. And we certainly can all acknowledge social media companies do not care no. about their consumers. They do not <clears throat> care. They are not going to address this problem so long as it makes them money. Exactly. Yeah. So the only people who are available to address this problem, who are able to address this problem, are you and me, are our audience, are the mm-hmm. people, the consumers of social media. Exactly. And, you know, like we say here in America, the power is with the people. That's anywhere. But the problem is, is if you have a minority of people who see this as an issue. The majority of the people don't want to do anything, so that's why it'll never change. The thing that's interesting, too, that this kind of reminds me of this cancel culture, cancel culture is ultimately driven by the people. The people, if in masses, if they decide they don't like what they're seeing and they make that clear, then companies are going to take a certain profile off of their um, platform so they can keep their money, right? It's not about what the companies want. It's about how they can get money. I mean, these apps are literally designed and psychologically analyzed by professionals to keep you glued to your screen. Right. It's not about, there's no morality in it, and that's just the harsh truth. I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but it's true. So once you realize this, and by the way, if you haven't, I would recommend watching The Social Dilemma on Netflix. It gives a much better insight on what's really going on uh, behind these companies. But what once you become aware, that's what we always say, the key... To, your first stepping stone is to become aware of absolutely everything. And once you become aware of the harsh and bitter and very unfortunate truths that are within our society, I mean, then you'll be able to take a step forward. Well, and the unfortunate part of that is once you become aware, you realize that really the only solution is to delete social media because mm-hmm. there's not really a way you can regulate what you see. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they're going to choose to push what they want to push on you. It's an algorithm. You based on what you like and what you view, can you know, certainly influence that algorithm, but you can't um, completely change it and dictate it. So the unfortunate truth is that, for the most part, if you are on social media, you are going to see sexually explicit content mm-hmm. of some form. And you can sit there and say, oh, that's bad, so I'm just going to scroll by it. 
still a problem. Exactly. And like you were saying, you can't outsmart your algorithm. And so what I would say is if you're not creating content on social media, if you're simply a consumer, and maybe you aren't even aware of how much time you really spend. I mean, once you start scrolling, you most people automatically just completely lose consciousness of how much time they spend, how many videos they've watched. But once you... Like I was saying, if you're only consuming content, then why do you have social media? To be caught up? Caught up with what? People who don't even know you exist? I mean, certainly there are things on social media that can be used as tools that you can leverage to your advantage. I've certainly learned some great workout routines, for example, from social media. But also, that's what the internet is for. I mean, that's not saying that social media all in all is bad because it's not. There's some great people and some great information on social media. But if you really want to have that shock factor and that realization of what it's really doing i you know i challenge you to go into detox delete it for like a week and see how much more peaceful things are unfortunately a lot of people are really worried about missing out but these things that they're worried about missing out on are completely superficial i mean they're not even real it's not actually relevant well just imagine yourself as an ultimate weapon if you are able to resist the desires of pornography and you know meaningless sexual experience if you're able to do that and pair it with resisting the urges of social media and avoiding exposure to the sexually explicit content package that together imagine how much better off you'd be i want our audience to sit there and for 30 seconds contemplate if you could package those things together you could resist all of those urges altogether. imagine the amount of self-control that you exhibit imagine the amount of temptations you're able to resist and imagine the ultimate weapon in society that you are exactly. if you're able to do all these things like we said the the sexual impulse is the strongest emotion and impulse that you will ever feel in your life because that's biology if you can master complete control over the strongest impulse that you will ever feel in your life imagine what else you could do imagine the things that you would be capable of controlling you can do absolutely and utterly anything you have the potential if you can master your mind. Right. Sex is one of the most sacred things you'll have in your life. Don't get baited into the sort of things that the porno, porno, pornographic and social media companies want to indulge you in. Right. Don't get baited into those meaningless right. sexual things. Mm-hmm. Seek meaning. Right. Seek the intimacy that for so many years humans have prioritized. Mm-hmm. It seems that humans want to prioritize physical intimacy now. Reject that. Be a right. part of the counterculture. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is a lot of people might agree with exactly everything that we're saying, but they don't have the courage to be different. I mean, being an outcast, being a misfit, being different is hard. Yeah. It's it's hard to be a misfit. It's hard to, to stand out because in society, I mean, if you're a part of the minority, you're frowned upon. And that's, that's the reality. However, the thing about uh, voicing your own opinion and living by what you truly believe and that's what makes a virtuous person that's what stoicism is all about you reject pleasure you reject these negative things that society is pushing on you and you live honorably you live with virtue you live with um, the values that stoics prioritized and i think it's hard to be different but if being better requires being different then so be it. Mm-hmm. Your goal as a Stoic and your goal just as a person should be the be- to be the best version of yourself. Right. The best version of yourself is not jacking off three times a day, is not constantly watching pornography, 
isn't mm-hmm. scrolling through OnlyFans, isn't right. paying $12 a month to see some girl's pictures right. or some guy's pictures. And honestly, even following those people on social media, if they're not providing you with true value, then what do you follow them for? You know, that's that's one thing I think you and I both have in common is we recognize that if something doesn't provide us value and what we're looking uh, help us continue on our journey of life. I mean, we're just going to ignore it. We're not going to waste time or energy on it. And so that's also, that reminds me of a point where I said where we talk about physical um, arousal being, you know, kind of the norm now. Good looks don't raise a family. Just because somebody is beautiful doesn't mean that on the inside they are what you're looking for. And so as a Stoic and as um, a Christian, that I'm not afraid to say that out loud anymore, but um, I'm, you know, I, I personally would look for someone who is very intellectual, who is very empathetic, who can be intimate. Because without a strong sexual relationship, your relationship overall will not work. If you can't be intimate with one another, it's not going to work. And that's basic biology. You know, if you can't have that with your partner, it's not going to work. And that's unfortunately what we're breeding nowadays in society mm-hmm. is relationships that don't work, relationships that are unhealthy, lack intimacy, right. lack of that connection, and are either just based purely in sexual experience mm-hmm. and not intimacy or are just dysfunctional everywhere. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the relationships we want to have. Those aren't the relationships we want to see our audience get into. They're not the relationships we want to see anybody in society get into. Right. Society functions better when we have healthy relationships among um, the genders and among just the people that we want to be intimate with right with healthy house households and it's really the hidden pandemic and the epidemic of the world that we're seeing is you know a lack in fertility in men a lack of intimacy in relationships it's it's a really great way to stop the planet from you know produce populating it's it's what's going to happen. I mean, in the future, I mean, China, if you look at China, they're screwed. I mean, no nobody's really had kids at all, and that's going to be a huge problem for them. And so if we don't understand that that's what's going to happen to us if we don't reject the norm and if we don't start living virtuously and take the difficult path, the one that's very uncomfortable at first but very rewarding later, it, us, ourselves as a society, we're not going to function. Well, and if... Society for, you know, 400 years succeeded, um, grew the population without pornography, without this sexually explicit content. Mm-hmm. Why can't we do it for the next 400 years? Yeah, I guarantee the greatest conquerors ever weren't addicted to that stuff. I mean, obviously it wasn't around. But to my point, I mean, that's probably why. Well, they weren't chained to lust. Exactly. Alexander the Great wasn't chained to lust. Caesar wasn't chained to lust. Aurelius, Seneca, all of them, they were free of that. They were aware and they were strong mentally. It just boils down to the mentality. As with everything else, seek meaning, seek virtue. Reject the normal culture that is unhealthy, provides unrealistic standards, terrible standards, harmful standards, and become part of the counterculture. Become a stoic. And as we, you know, close this episode, we want to say that I think it's important that, you know, both women and men are very accepting of this conversation to have with each other because you know, as I mean, as a man, it's embarrassing to have that conversation with somebody It would be it's very difficult to be that vulnerable. And so I think if we're very clear and open and not judgmental, and just we can hear each other out about these problems, that's our step forward in fixing it. 
um, if we're always like laughing at one another and again blatantly pointing fingers and blaming other people, we're never going to get anywhere. And that's going to be a huge problem down the line. So I think, you know, this this episode for us has been very, not necessarily comfortable to talk about, but it's most definitely necessary. Right. It's going to come off as probably our most, you know, not heated, but, you know, controversial. And it's something that we decided to take a more informal tone on, I believe. We definitely quoted some statistics. We had some quotes, but it's something we just wanted to be informal with our audience on because it's something that uh, I think we've both experienced in terms of people around us, in terms of our lives, we've seen it firsthand, and it's something that's scary, mm-hmm. and it's something that needs to be addressed, and we hope that we've done that today, and this has been episode 10 of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.